was Will Hoge off the album My American Dream that was Gilded Walls. Greetings and welcome to Polyrical, a podcast of political music, a soundtrack for the resistance, a topical solution for the political revolution. I want to hear from you, so if you like what you hear, or even if you don't, you can email me at polyrical at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at polyrical, and check out the website polyrical.com, where you'll find all of the back episodes. You'll find some links to make a request. You can request a artist song or topic for a future episode. You'll also find some links there to make a one-time or recurring donation to keep this podcast free and independent. From the album The Last Days of Oakland, 
Here is fantastic Negrito with Working Poor. Working Poor.
And Chelsea Manning is the topic of the episode for this episode. Chelsea Manning, a former Army intelligence analyst turned whistleblower, may remain behind bars for up to another year and face nearly a half million dollars in fines over her ongoing refusal to testify before a grand jury about her disclosure of classified information to WikiLeaks. A federal judge in Eastern District of Virginia said earlier this month or denied a motion filed by Manning's lawyers for a hearing requested to press the court to reconsider its sanctions, which include jail time not to exceed 18 months and financial penalties that may ultimately total around $441,000. And here is a statement that Chelsea Manning made to the United States District Court, Eastern District of Virginia. My name is Chelsea Elizabeth Manning. I am competent to be a witness and I possess personal knowledge of the facts set forth below. Currently, I am confined at the Alexandria Detention Center, ADC, in Alexandria, Virginia, following a finding of civil contempt on March 8, 2019, for refusing to cooperate in a grand jury investigation that I believe relates to events already disclosed in exhaustive testimony in 2013, including the extent of my knowledge. Initially, after arriving at ADC, the jail placed me in administrative segregation, ADSEG, status, despite the stated concerns of myself and my legal representatives regarding the effects of prolonged isolation, compounding the trauma I suffered in a year of solitary confinement during my previous time in confinement. I stayed on ADSEG for 28 days without any misbehavior or ill will on my or anyone else's part to rationalize such isolation. This isolation caused extraordinary pain for me. While in ADSEG, I suffered many of the ill effects of prolonged isolation as described by former United Nations Special Rapporteur on Torture, Juan Mendez. For instance, consistent with the research of former Harvard Medical School professor Stuart Grassian, I experienced difficulty keeping attention on anything, sometimes referred to as disassociative stupor. Thinking and concentrating get harder. Anxiety, frustration with minor things, irritation, and spiraling inability to tolerate each symptom take hold. At one point, I started feeling ill during a short visit in a non-contact visit booth while struggling to have even a normal conversation. After weeks of understimulation, I became nauseated with vertigo and vomited on the floor, ending my visit prematurely. Such symptoms make up what Gracian describes as a special psychiatric syndrome caused by prolonged solitary confinement. Many of the effects last permanently after only 15 days of isolation. After public outcry and pressure, the ADC released me into general population after 28 days of isolation. After two months of confinement and using every legal mechanism available so far, I can, without any hesitation, state that nothing will convince me to testify before this or any other grand jury for that matter. This experience so far only proves my long-held belief 
that grand juries are simply outdated tools used by the federal government to harass and disrupt political opponents and activists in fishing expeditions. Without committing a federal crime and after exhaustive testimony at a trial several years ago, I am again ripped from my life by a vindictive and politically motivated investigation and prosecution. The way I am being treated proves what a corrupt and abusive tool the grand jury truly is. With each passing day, my disappointment and frustration grow, but so too do my commitments to doing the right thing and continuing to refuse to submit. My decision not to testify before grand juries is rooted in the study of history and philosophical principles. Many times in this nation's history, people who speak out or express dissent against the government face disproportionate repression. One of the most common tools to silence dissent, the grand jury, attempts to sow distrust within activists' organizations and communities through secrecy and compelling exhaustive and redundant testimony aimed at identifying other members of that community. I understand that this grand jury related to my disclosures of classified and unclassified but sensitive information and records in 2010. I acted alone in these disclosures. The government is still preoccupied with punishing me, despite a court-martial, sentence, and presidential commutation nearly two years ago. This can be seen in statements and actions by several administration officials, especially the current Secretary of State, who threatened Harvard University over a low-paid speaking engagement in 2017 when he was Director of Central Intelligence. This speaks compellingly to my rationale for both my disclosures, for which I already served time, and my present refusal to cooperate with an increasingly frightening and untrustworthy government. Let me state clearly again that my actions were my own. I believe my principles allow me to focus on helping others and to challenge the use of power to coerce or manipulate people. Such coercive power forms what I define as, quote, violence and the, quote, threats of violence, which powerful institutions attempt to accumulate to obtain more power. I do not believe, nor do I possess any reasonable evidence to believe that participating in this grand jury could lead to any new theories of criminal liability for any person. I took responsible for my actions over six years ago. I find it difficult to comprehend that the Department of Justice believes that my redundant testimony could actually provide any value to an investigation. Their stated reasons appear disingenuous at best and outright malicious at worst. The government's theories contradict not only my testimony, but the forensic evidence the military possesses. Therefore, I suspect they are simply interested in previewing my potential testimony as a defense witness and attempting to undermine my testimony without the benefit of reviewing forensic evidence. This justifies my theory that participating in this investigation functions simply to abuse the justice system for political ends. I believe this grand jury seeks to undermine the integrity of public discourse with the aim of punishing those who expose any serious, ongoing, and systemic abuses of power by this government as well as the rest of the international community. 
Therefore, participating in this fishing expedition, which potentially exposes other innocent people to the grand jury process, would constitute an unjustifiable and unethical action. Now, after sustaining serious psychological injury from my current confinement, I don't wish to expose any other person to the trauma and exhaustion of civil contempt or other forms of prison or coercion. And here is the band My Gay Banjo from the album Country Boys in the City. This is How Many Kinds of Courage. This is for a vast. The following lyrics are going to be particularly hard. <laughs> how long before the storm and all of it? Then I'm a lyrics before I recorded them. Shit's getting more and more Orwellian. How long before they hoard everything? 
everything Then I'm a Facebook wall messages They can read my email and it's all effortless Then I'm a porn preference and dwarf fetishes But they don't know what the difference between laws and ethics is But now we've all found out what the effort is We better give them a lesson in etiquette You wanna heckle the Bolivian president? You better give me some evidence It's to be evident if you were meddling in another government Up in this web we're in So I'm sending this to the president You're setting a sickening precedent Said I'm sending this to the president You're setting a sickening precedent now I've written a threatening letter This kid is a dissident rebel We'd better get him on the list of significant threats With the rest of America If you love your country Your country should love you too But how can you trust someone who doesn't trust you? Prism is a prison and the prison is your mind Pulling out the pecker and the pissing on your rights So let's take a leaf out of their hands And take a leak every opportunity we can If you love your country Your country should love you too But how can you trust someone who doesn't trust you? I'm watching you, watching me We're a drama scene but the chemistry's not there, there's no economy. Mr. O'Connor the heat, the words of harmony. Cause he's got binders full of everyone, it's morally fucked. The clock strikes 13 on the dot. Another whistleblower finds a little glowing spot right between his eyes, in the middle of his forehead, for revealing lies. His prize is that he falls dead. I'm watching you, watching me, watching you, watching me. And between us, there's a look to see. We probably rather not have I'm watching you, watching me, wondering to what degree Your interception fringe my intellectual property The clock strikes 13 on the dot Another whistleblower finds a little glowing spot Between his eyes in the middle of his forehead For revealing lies, his prize is that he falls dead Someone at the National Security Agency could blatantly be paid a fee Created briefs to basically mean any shady people are safe and free to take a peek Look, I don't believe in evil, but I believe in greed or paranoia Power hungry, that's abusive, absolute power corrupts absolutely And I'll hammer that home till they have to shoot me I'll be happy to head down the boogies and bet that they're getting a good look at my cookies They're up all night to get cookies, they're up all night to get cookies They're up all night to get cookies, they're up all night to get cookies And who took the cookies out of the cookie jar? If you can't see that, then you aren't looking far The clock strikes 13 Another whistleblower finds a little glowing spot Between his eyes and the middle of his forehead For revealing lies, his prize is that he falls dead When the NSA watches everything we say We've got to make sure we say what we really need to say So hey there NSA How are you today? And that was Dan Bull with the single Hey There NSA. Here is another section of the statement made by Chelsea Manning. This decision comes at an overwhelming cost. My physical and mental health deteriorate rapidly in conditions normally reserved for short-term confinement. I am almost entirely without sunlight. My skin regularly breaks out from bacterial infections. I gain weight due to poor nutrition, currently at nearly 20 pounds since March. Sleep and concentration remain difficult. Mental health access remains limited without access to comprehensive treatment for complex post-traumatic stress, stemming in part from previous confinement conditions. My business now falters with, without me able to appear at speaking engagements or professional consultations. I recently laid off a valuable and trusted employee. Numerous existing contracts remain vulnerable likely needing renegotiation or outright cancellation. My friends and colleagues suffer from the impact of my absence, causing me to worry endlessly about their health and well-being. 
I missed the premiere event of a documentary about my commutation in which dozens of my friends reunited afterward. I sometimes see visitors, but only in non-contact booth with inches of glass between us. This makes visitation uncomfortable, surreal, and saddening. I receive between dozens and several hundred letters a day. I lack the resources or time to respond to even a small fraction of these. The impact on my friends and supporters feels overwhelming and makes me feel lonely. I receive enormous support from around the world. My family and close friends all support me and express their pride of me. It's emotionally overwhelming sometimes to see their unwavering generosity. I receive warmth and strength from colleagues, educators, lawyers, diplomats, activists, factory workers, veterans, journalists, union leaders, store clerks, gardeners, chefs, airplane pilots, and politicians from all across the U.S. and the world at large, every class, culture, and age imaginable. Despite the heartbreak and hardship, cooperation with this grand jury is simply not an option. Doing so would mean throwing away all of my principles, accomplishments, sacrifices, and erase decades of my reputation, an obvious impossibility. As before, I cannot regain the lost time, which may again extend to years. Repairing the damage to my relationships in both my physical and mental health might never come to pass. Whatever one might make of my principles and decisions, I shall continue to make hard choices and sacrifices rather than relinquish my ethical positions in exchange for mere trinkets of personal gain or self-pleasure in the form of being released. Over the past decade, I grappled with bouts of depression. I can think of nothing that could exacerbate those struggles more than pretending to live as someone I am not. Once again, in turning my back on everything I care about and fight for. Jail and prison exist as an archaic institution, hiding the best stream of dehumanizing and humiliating behaviors by the government. A trail of mourning, a trail of mounting loss and pain. Here behind the event horizon, I remain certain that losing the approval, trust, and acceptance of my friends, family, and supporters would make this situation worse. I wish to return home. I want to return to my work, writing, speaking, consulting, and teaching. The idea I hold the keys to my own cell is an absurd one, as I face the prospect of suffering either way due to this unnecessary and punitive subpoena I can either go to jail or betray my principles. The latter exists as a much worse prison than the government can construct. I digress a bit, but the point is, I'm not going to change my mind. Not now. Not ever. So be it. I declare under penalty of perjury of the laws of the United States that the foregoing is true and correct to the best of my knowledge. Chelsea Elizabeth Manning. And here is David Rovix off the album Big Red Sessions. This is Song for Chelsea Manning.
she was paid to read reports, find the pattern sifting through. As she read the data, the patterns did emerge. Patterns that were clear both before and since the surge. Patterns of abuse of the most horrific kind. Gunning down civilians out of view and out of mind. Gunning down the opposition in the middle of the night. Sending off the scholars to be tortured out of sight. Sometimes you need desperate measures when you live in desperate times. Private man exhaust she was looking at war crimes. She wondered what to do to allow the dead to speak. She finally decided to contact WikiLeaks. Now it's all out on the table and everybody knows. The Emperor is naked, he's not wearing any clothes. Now Adrian Lavelle has to live within his skin. Chelsea in the back called the cops and turned her in. But not before the soldier took half a million files. If you printed all the pages, they'd stretch on for miles. Evidence against the state, right from the horse's mouth. Machinations in the west, bombings in the south. A treasure trove of details for all the globe to see. How much they need to lie and kill for democracy. How many drone strikes hit villages? Leaving everyone to die They blamed on someone else The official line, not I How many coups have been plotted By ambassadors who say That free and fair elections Be the order of the day Now it's all out on the table And everybody knows The emperor is naked He's not wearing any clothes
track was Chelsea Girl. That track was by Drones Club. And you can find that on an album called Hugs for Chelsea, a benefit for Chelsea Manning. You can find that album on Bandcamp at bandcamp.com. On that benefit album, of which all proceeds go to Chelsea Manning, uh, you'll find 39 tracks. I think there's only I think there's one spoken track on there. So 38 different songs donated by a variety of people. Some that you know, some that you've heard me play before. Amanda Palmer, bigger on the inside, or Kim Yah Dawson at the seams. Some fantastic songs on this album, and some things that maybe you've never heard before. At least some things, a lot of things, a lot of artists that I was previously unfamiliar with. You can get those 39 tracks for a donation of $25 or more on Bandcamp. Once again, that is called Hugs for Chelsea. Here are a few words from Bernie Sanders. This is a speech that Bernie gave on the floor of the House of Representatives back in 1994 when the infamous crime bill was being negotiated and uh, and debated. Uh, thank you. Uh, Mr. Chairman, let me begin with a profound remark. Two plus two equals four. In other words, there is a logical and rational process called cause and effect. In terms of Newtonian physics, that means that every action causes an equal and opposite reaction. In other words, fellow members of the House, there are reasons why things happen, as controversial as that statement may be. A farmer neglects to tend and care for his fields it is likely that that crop will fail. A company neglects to invest in research and development. It is likely that that company will not be profitable. In a similar way, a society which neglects, which oppresses, and which disdains a very significant part of its population, which leaves them hungry, impoverished, unemployed, uneducated, and utterly without hope, will, through cause and effect, create a population which is bitter, which is angry, which is violent, and a society which is crime-ridden. And that is the case in America, and it is the case in other countries throughout the world. Mr. Chairman, how do we talk about the very serious crime problem in America without mentioning, without mentioning that we have the highest rate of childhood poverty in the industrialized world by far, with 22% of our children in poverty and 5 million kids hungry today. Do you think maybe that might have some relationship to crime? How do we talk about crime when this Congress is prepared this year to spend 11 times more for the military than for education? When 21% of our kids drop out of high school when a recent study told us that twice as many young workers now earn poverty wages as 10 years ago, when the gap between the rich and the poor is growing wider, and when the rate of poverty 
continues to grow. Do you think maybe that might have some relationship to crime? Mr. Chairman, it is my firm belief that clearly there are people in our society who are horribly violent, who are deeply sick and sociopathic, and clearly these people must be put behind bars in order to protect society from them. But it is also my view that through the neglect of our government and through a grossly irrational set of priorities, we are dooming today tens of millions of young people to a future of bitterness, misery, hopelessness, drugs, crime, and violence. And, Mr. Speaker, all the jails in the world, and we already imprison more people per capita than any other country, and all of the executions. Can I ask for one more moment, please? I uh, give the gentleman 30 seconds. We'll run. All the jails in the world and all the executions in the world will not make that situation right. We can either educate or electrocute. We can create meaningful jobs, rebuilding our society, or we can build more jails. Mr. Speaker, let us create a society of hope and compassion, not one of hate and vengeance. Thank you. And that will bring us to our artist of the episode. The artist of the episode for this episode is Johnny Clegg. Johnny Clegg uh, performed with the band Savuka and earlier with the band Jaluka. Johnny Clegg passed away recently from pancreatic cancer. Clegg was born in 1953 in Buckup near Manchester. His mother was a jazz singer from Zimbabwe then called Southern Rhodesia. After his parents divorced during his early childhood, she took him to live in Zimbabwe. In his early teens in Johannesburg, he came across Zulu migrant workers playing street guitar and started taking lessons. It was an introduction into Zulu language, music, and dance that set the course for his life. Clegg continued to learn from these men who had left their homes to find work in the city but kept their traditions alive, visiting their barracks-like hostels and taking part in their dancing competitions. Quote, I felt like an immigrant, he told the New York Times in 1990. The migrant workers were themselves immigrants, so we had a similar feeling of marginality in the city. That was emotionally something I could relate to. He took his passion to Witts University where he studied anthropology with a focus on Zulu music and dance, staying on as a lecturer. lecturer. Clegg's reputation as a, quote, Zulu guitarist led to a meeting with self-taught street musician Sifo Machunu, another migrant worker, and the pair went on to found the band Jaluka, which means sweat in Zulu. Challenging apartheid laws that prohibited mixed-race performances in public venues, they played at universities, church halls, and migrant hostels. They were subject to harassment from the authorities and sometimes arrest. In 1979, they released their first album, Universal Men. Jaluka's music received little airplay in South Africa but reached large international audiences through 1982-1983 tours of Europe and North America. The song Scatterlings of Africa charted in England and France, where Clegg was particularly celebrated. The 1987 hit, Asimbonanga, 
a tribute to Nelson Mandela, Mandela, who at the time had been imprisoned on Robben Island for over two decades, was one of the high points of a glittering career. And here is Johnny Clegg and Savuka from the album Heat, Dust, and Dreams. This is Inevitable Consequence of Progress.
rapper's earning the fittance he calls his pay. You gotta get up so early in the morning to keep your job, let alone find one these days. Yeah, them sing in the street now. Yeah, the sound of marching feet now. It's for Lom Sevens. We need to work to be seen. For Lom Sevens. There's a jobless army in the street. It's for Lom Sevens. In a way to hit it more. See, for Lom Sevens. There's a jobless army at my door. It's for Lom Sevens. sits alone in the kitchen 30 years a mining man he still has to fight for the right to work whether the times are good or bad hear them sing in the street now hear the sound of marching feet now it's for Nom Sevens we need to work to be safe for Nom Sevens there's a jobless army Streets for Nom Sevens In a way to hit it was it for Nom Sevens There's a jobless army at my yards for Nom Sevens For Nom Sevens For Nom Sevens For Tinas for Nom Sevens For Nom Sevens For Tinas for Nom Sevens For Nom Sevens For Nom Sevens For Nom Sevens Johnny Clegg singing with Jaluka off the album Work for All. That was the title track. Here's a little bit of an article from Mamegi Online. In an interview with a Canadian radio station in 2017, Clegg spoke of his battle with pancreatic cancer. 
He knew his time was limited. He went on to speak of his career, of being arrested as a teenager for hanging around with black migrant workers, and how the apartheid police tried and often succeeded in shutting down Jaluka concerts. But he said, quote, we were acting against apartheid, but we never used the word apartheid. We did not preach politics to anybody. Clegg and his band didn't have to, quote, preach politics because their message was one which held us all in its embrace with lyrics that have stayed with gener a generation of South Africans. He didn't have to mention apartheid for his very being was powerfully political. A white man singing Masgandi, the music of migrant workers, described as, quote, the music played by the man on the move, the modern minstrel, today's troubadour. It is the music of the man walking the long miles to court a bride or to meet with his chief, a means of transport. It is the music of the man who sings of his real-life experiences, his daily joys and sorrows, his observations of the world. It's the music of the man who's got the Zulu blues. And here's a little bit of an interview that's published on greenglobaltravel.com. What was it like being a progressive white man during apartheid, actively calling the oppressive government out in your music? I was arrested for the first time when I was 15, and then arrested multiple times for trespassing on municipal property. All these minor infractions started to build up resentment in me. Apartheid was like seeing a fence arbitrarily put across the road. I just had to find my way around it. Until age 18, I was so involved in becoming a Zulu that the trade-off of being arrested was worth it. I thought it was cool because my Zulu friends were going through it on a daily basis. It was part of the community experience and a rite of passage for me as a young man. I didn't think of it from a political perspective until I went to university and studied politics and anthropology. I started to understand the fundamental questions. Why is there a fence? And who put it there? Then I became involved in the trade union, early wages commission, etc. I got arrested for my political actions, not musical actions. Basically, I fell in love with the culture and found ways to get in there. And then later, I got very politically active. And the interviewer asks, when did you first realize that apartheid's days were numbered? 1986 was a pivotal year when the liberation movement decided to make South Africa ungovernable. They took over the townships and the government declared a state of emergency. There was a feeling that we were reaching a crescendo and something was going to happen. Either we were going to slip into a terrible civil war or there was going to be a negotiated settlement. The four years after Mandela was released from the 11th of February 1990 until 1994 were really touch and go. All of the boycotts both outside and the consumer boycotts inside South Africa were a part of a multi-layered strategy to isolate the apartheid government and bring them to their knees. 
And here is Johnny Clegg from the album One Life. This is The Revolution Will Eat Its Children. He's a leader, talks freedom. He knows the power of the big idea. He's a dealer, he's a seeker of the power that comes from fear. He gave his life to the party machine, holding on to a secret dream. He knows better than anyone, power comes from the barrel of a gun. And he's rising up against them now. And he's rising up in country and town. And he's rising up. The revolution will eat its children I see the river of dreams run dry I'm so thankful I got to love you You're the reason I'll survive of a better life for all The promise of freedom from hunger and war So many rose up to answer the call And so many are no longer here at all The hopes of yesterday drowning in shifting sands Cause something strange is going on across the land Where's the fun of a man you 
wrapping up our set of Johnny Clegg songs. That was Johnny Clegg off the album Cruel, Crazy, Beautiful World with One Man, One Vote. Here is Jennifer Haloub from the album The Reckoning. This is If You Stop, They Win. And that will just about wrap up this episode of Polyrical. Remember, you can reach out to me. Send me an email at polyrical at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Polyrical. And you can check out the website polyrical.com. 
on that site, you'll find all the back episodes and you'll find links to make a uh, recommendation. You can recommend a song, an artist, or a topic for a future episode. You'll also find some links there where you can make a donation or you can make a one-time or a recurring donation to the Polyrical Podcast. You can also hear me record the podcast live on Twitch. That is at twitch.tv slash unrelated things. As we exit this episode, we're going to hear Petra Glint from the album This Trip with the song Up to the People. Thanks for listening. Thank you.